We believe that the Bible is the Word of God and that all of it is useful for teaching us, for rebuking us, for correcting us, and for training us in how to live right, so that a servant of God may be fully equipped for every good work. So let's open the Bible and let's look at it together. Hello, uh, I am really blessed to have a garden. I don't claim any expertise, but I do enjoy my garden. My garden is north facing. That means that the end, which is closest to the house, is usually in shade. And the end that's away from the house is normally, I guess, a lot more sunshine. And uh, these two plants, they're both geraniums, and I planted them at the same time earlier this year. Uh, one of them I planted at the shady end of the garden and one of them I planted at the sunny end of the garden. It's pretty obvious which did better, which has done better, isn't it? The longer you're a Christian, the more you get to know the way that God works in our lives. Uh, you begin to understand that God's glory and our good are completely entwined. When we centre our lives around God, it's like we're living in the light and we thrive. When we try to assign God to the sidelines, it's actually ourselves that we are pushing to the shade and we don't do so well. In creation, God has set in place principles, rhythms that demonstrate his glory, night and day the flow of the seasons, the tides, even the very cycle of the lives of every living thing. Technology gives us an illusion that we're protected from those rhythms. But the truth is we do best when we fit and we keep God in the center. When we consider the creation account in Genesis chapter one that describes how God made the heavens and the earth, it describes what he did each day. It talks about him separating light from darkness on one day, on, in separating land from sea on another day, creating plants, creating creatures, and then finally on the sixth day, creating us, men and women. The seventh day is a bit of a puzzle, a bit of a mystery. Let's read about it. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. It tells us that God rested. Why? We know God's power is inexhaustible. Uh, it says in Isaiah 40, 28, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. Yet on the seventh day, he rested. Why? What does it mean? And why are we told to rest on the Sabbath too? Actually, Jesus helps us. He says in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, he explains, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord 
even of the Sabbath. In that simple statement, Jesus is saying that this Sabbath principle is ours and it is his. It's a gift and it's all about keeping him at the centre, his lordship. It's ours. Jesus said Sabbath was made for man. Um, Psalm 103 verse 14 says, God has compassion on us for he knows how we're made. He remembers that we are dust. He knows that we need rest and therefore he's created rhythms in creation that allow us to take it. And it's his. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. It's a way of putting him at the center of everything. Genesis 1.27 tells us that we are made in the image of God. And God calls Adam and Eve to partner with him in his creation. But which bit do they get to partner in? They get to partner in his rest. They were created on day six after everything else was done. Now, we know in Jewish tradition, the Sabbath begins on Friday evening. So they're created on Friday. And then the Sabbath begins Friday evening. They immediately enter into God's rest as the sun goes down. The first thing they do is to get, get to enter into God's rest, to enjoy the completeness of all that he has done and to see that it is good. That enjoyment essentially is what worship is. It's what we were created for, to see that what God has done is good and to reflect that to him. But of course we know they didn't stay in that rest. They rebelled. They tried to push God out of the centre and in doing that they assigned themselves to the shadows. Through the centuries of the Old Testament there's this repeated promise of a return to rest to the slaves in Egypt. It's promised that they'll have rest in the promised land, Deuteronomy 3.20. As uh, David comes to the throne, uh, the people are promised rest through him and his descendants, 1 Chronicles 22.9. As the exiles come back uh, from Babylon, they are promised rest as they return to the land, Jeremiah 46.27. Again and again they get so close to God's rest, but then they miss out because they push him out of the centre and in doing so assign themselves to the shadows. Essentially that's what Hebrews chapters 3 and 4 is all about, this missing out on God's rest. They push God out of the centre and assign themselves to the shadows until finally God himself steps in. God becomes a man, Jesus Christ, and stands on the earth and says these amazing words in Matthew eleven twenty-eight: Come to me, all you who are weary, and burdened and I will give you rest where Moses and Joshua David and Solomon the returning exiles all fail Jesus succeeds and just as God works alone in creation God in Jesus works alone in salvation you know, the Gospels, the four accounts of Jesus' life, they're essentially recreation stories. That comes across really clearly in John, doesn't it? It begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It talks about nothing being made except things that were made through him. And Jesus' work of redemption is a recreation story. It's the story of our recreation, our redemption. Jesus' work of redemption is finished by Friday evening 
as the Sabbath begins. He's completed his perfect life, his sacrificial death. It's complete. And as the Sabbath begins, he rests in the tomb. Can you see what's being mirrored in the creation, from the creation story? And on the Sunday, the first day of a new week, he rises again and we enter into his rest. Finally, we are resurrection people. We don't create ourselves and we don't save ourselves, but we participate in both by entering into God's rest. God had purposes for Adam and Eve in, in the garden and he has purposes for us in his kingdom, but we start from this place of rest in all that he has done. This rest is worship. The great writer John Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. We worship God by establishing rhythms in our lives of noticing all that he's doing, of appreciating what he's doing, of enjoying all that he's done for us. That's what Sabbath means. The Hebrew word Sabbath simply means stop. Stop. Take a breath. Pause. We're called to build into our lives rhythms that involve stopping, taking a breath, getting our bearings, centering our lives again around God. If you make him Lord of this day, the Sabbath day, he'll be Lord of all the others as well. No generation in history needs to hear this more than us. With our electronically illuminated, digitally enhanced 24-7 lifestyles of relentless activity that are killing us. You know, one of the things it feels like God is doing in this through COVID is like all our missed Sabbaths are being forced upon us. It felt like that at the beginning of lockdown, didn't it? As the streets were deserted, as the shops were shut. This is the challenge as we start again, as we emerge from lockdown. Are we just going to pick up where we left off? Or are we going to take this opportunity to reorientate ourselves, to reestablish in our lives these healthy rhythms of rest and noticing that God always intended with him at the center for his glory and our good? I'll be back shortly to talk to you about the two Kevins. So I've got two friends, well actually I've got more than two friends, you'll be pleased to hear, but I've got two friends who are driving instructors and funnily enough they're both called Kevin. <laughs> um, they both love Jesus, they both love their families. And this is what is interesting about them, even though Sundays are potentially the most lucrative day of the week for a driving instructor, they have both decided not to work on Sundays. As far as I'm aware, they don't know each other. They've, uh, one of them's with us in Everyday Sutton, the other goes to another local church. Uh, but they've both reached this, this, this decision not to work on Sundays. What do you think about that? You think this is outdated, legalistic nonsense? Uh, superstitious, point scoring with God? <clears throat> or is this godly wisdom of lives centered around God and reflecting his will for them? Now, I'm not going to say that no one should work on Sundays. But I do want to ask you to think about how you use Sundays and to reflect particularly on how we are going to start again as we emerge from lockdown. You know, uh, the command to observe the Sabbath day is one of the Ten Commandments. You know that. 
It's recorded twice, once in Exodus 20 and once in Deuteronomy 5. But each time a different reason is given. In Exodus 20, it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Deuteronomy 5 also says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. But then it says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. The first reason given in, ex in Exodus is about loving God. Did you notice that? To set a rhythm that follows God's own example. We are image bearers and our Sabbath observance is about our image bearing. To show that God is more important than our work. To show that we will lay that aside even if it costs us in order to keep him at the centre. To show that you don't derive your identity first from your work and your career and what you do, but you derive it first from him. And then you go out to do whatever it is he's called you to do in your workplace. The second command given in, uh, the second recording of the command given in Deuteronomy essentially is about loving our neighbours. Moses is reminding Israel that they were slaves themselves once. They couldn't Sabbath, they couldn't rest. Now part of what he's doing is he's breaking those generations of slave identity that's been bred into them. But he's also reminding them that Sabbath isn't just for them. It's about their children. It's about their servants. You know, our actions impact others. We've got used to understanding that in relation to our use of plastic, haven't we? I can't use whatever plastic I want without it having an impact somewhere else on someone else. I'm thinking about the clothes I buy. If I can buy a four pound t-shirt, what effect is that having on the person who makes it? Normally, probably in a third world setting. And our demand for 24 seven convenience, what impact does that have on others, on their ability to take a rest? to be with family, to worship God. So how do we Sabbath well? You know, in Jesus' time, the religious leaders had robbed it of all its joy. They'd made it burdensome by adding all these minutiae of regulation to it. They even criticized Jesus for healing people on the Sabbath. They even criticized him for eating on the Sabbath. We are not gonna do the same. Listen, for 20 years before I became a church pastor, I worked in the care sector. Of course, I worked a lot of Sundays. I had to. You may be in a situation where you can't control your work as you would like to. In fact, one of the Kevins has decided because of the impact of COVID on his business that for a short time, for the time being, he is working on a Sabbath, even though he doesn't really want to. But he's recognizing that's not the way it should be and he's gonna to return to his Sabbath rhythm as soon as he can. Jesus, when he is uh, confronting the religious leaders about their attitude to Sabbath in Luke 14, five, he says, look, even you, if your ox falls into a pit, you're gonna get it out of the pit on the Sabbath. Kevin is feeling like his finances have fallen into a pit. He's getting them out of the pit. Uh, all I'm saying is you may feel that you have to work on the Sabbath. Just be honest. Are you getting an ox out of a pit? Or are you just not bothered really to think about God's place in the rhythm of your life? A well-kept Sabbath will look different for each of us. 
but it will have some of the key principles that will be the same for all of us. It will involve worship and probably worship with other people. God's people have always gathered together on his day for thousands of years. Worship is about looking, about stopping and appreciating, about getting our bearings. It's also about forming a community identity and taking the opportunity to worship with others. Now, of course, we're really looking forward to being able to gather physically again as soon as possible. But I just want you to consider that may be a challenge because through lockdown, we have lost our Sabbath rhythm. We've got used to going online when it suits us, even what day of the week it suits us. So let's just sort of gird ourselves a little bit and prepare for when we relaunch. There will be a sort of getting back into the rhythm that will be a bit of a challenge for us to start with. Uh, Sabbath also involves relationships, nurturing them, uh, spending the day with kids, with our families. The one day when our kids and our friends don't have to fight for our attention, especially relationships that replenish you, that build you up. We often use Sundays, Sundays as a day to connect with new people, but not every Sunday. <laughs> Thinking about um, making sure that when we have people around, it's in a way that doesn't exhaust us, but in a way that just says, hey, come and join in our life. Come and have a meal with us. Just join in with what we're doing. Sabbath is about recreation, 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 doing things that fill our tanks for us as individually, individuals and for us in our family and our friendship groupings. I love my garden. If gardening is a, a chore for you, don't do it on the Sabbath. Gardening for me recreates. I just A day spent pottering around my garden is a good day as far as I'm concerned. I feel rested at the end of it. It'll be something different for you. It might be sport. It might be actually learning something that's not to do with your job. You might feel, well, I'm just too busy to stop. And maybe you are. There are seasons of life where things are very intense. But be like Kevin. Recognize that the way things are right now isn't where they're going to stay. You're out of step with where you want to be and you're going to get back into step as soon as you can. You know, uh, observing Saturday, Sunday, uh, Sunday, Sabbath, Sundays for us properly involves some planning. For the Jews, when they were crossing the wilderness, God provided them manna miraculously. Every morning they would get up and there would be this food substance on the ground. Every morning, except the Sabbath. And in order to rest from collecting this manna on the Sabbath, they had to collect twice as much on Saturday, on, on Friday for them, so they could rest on the Saturday. I'm getting my Saturdays and Sundays mixed up. When I was a kid, my parents told me I couldn't do homework on a Sunday. <laughs> that sounds like, imagine your parents telling you don't do homework on a Sunday. Well, that meant if my homework was due on a Monday, I had to make sure I got it done by Saturday night. And I carried that principle through to my graduate studies and on into life. Of, so it involves planning. I think another principle that we get from the Old Testament that helps us do Sabbath well is gleaning. You know this principle that Jewish farmers were told, don't plant to the max, don't, don't harvest to the max. Leave a, a margin around your field so that others can benefit from it. When you harvest, leave at the edge so that the poor can come and benefit from the flecks you've left. You know, sin, uh, laziness is a sin, slothfulness is a sin. But I think maximizing everything is a sin as well, where we pack our lives so full, there is no flex, there's nothing left for others. 
we've exhausted ourselves. Leave some flex in your life. Carve space. Say to yourself, there's one day I'm going to make different. It's the one day I'm not going to check my work emails. One day I am going to put away my phone. If I couldn't do it in six days, then I can't do it on the Sabbath. There just isn't time to do it. I'm going to keep my financial interactions to a minimum for the sake of others. I may not be able to stop, but I am going to slow down. We've got used to thinking about our impact on the planet. But one day God will wrap this planet up. We've got used to thinking about the benefit of a healthy diet and exercise. But one day we will die. What are we doing to nurture our souls that are eternal? The bit of you that will carry on into eternity. It's not about rule keeping. It's not about point scoring. It's about a gift that God is giving us. And that gift is life in all its fullness. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for this gift of Sabbath rest. Help us to grasp it. Help us to rediscover as we start again and emerge from lockdown. Help us to make you Lord of our Sabbaths. Amen.